That's half the fun. Besides, what better way to start a podcast? And what what gets you more energized than this? The simple. <laughs> Welcome to the Blazers Edge Podcast, Dan. Blazers <sighs> Outsider Dan. Hey, how you doing this week? I'm doing good. Apparently, I they, bet they have new rock stars that have 300 milligrams of caffeine per can. So we'll see how it goes. How many cups of coffee is 300 milliliters of uh, milligrams? Caffeine? I I thought like how many uh, cups of coffee is that? I th- I think it's isn't 50 milligrams your average cup of coffee? I have no idea, but yeah, you know what? You're gonna need a lot That's of six. that. You're gonna need a lot of that this fall, Dan, because you got a new added responsibility to your role as Blazers Outsider. So I know you've already had a lot of congratulations, but let me again extend my congratulations uh, for you and your new role. Thank you. At NBC Sports. Super exciting that you're going to be on more often and before and after every game. Can you tell us a little bit more about like what the details are of what the Outsiders and just kind of like what game day is going to be like? Yeah, so first of all, thank you because this is absolutely awesome. This is something the... I've been alluding to for the last, I don't know, three months. <laughs> like I, it was so ridiculously hard for me to keep this under wraps because this is such a, a big move for me personally and professionally. So, um, But, yeah, Joe, Shane, and I are going to move from uh, just a half-hour show on uh, you know Tuesdays and Thursdays through the summer to 82 games a year. So we'll start with um, – an hour before tip-off, Joe Shane and I will have a pregame show, and that'll be probably a bit more like what you guys have seen from us, and that'll be a little bit more lighthearted, a lot more about it, um, engagement with, with fans uh, via Facebook, Twitter, everything else. Like The show will change rapidly on the fly. Uh, for those who have watched already know that we don't really have, like we have a script, we have a show layout, but it, it evolves and changes pretty quickly when we fi- you know, find something we want to talk about. Um, and I think that's going to be hold much more steady for the pregame show. The postgame shows where things are going to be a little bit different for us. Uh, and that'll be on a half hour after um, Jordan Kent and Michael Holton wrap up with the Blazers broadcasting portion of it. And from there, it's uh, it's going to be a little bit like um, a little bit like what Talking Ball was as far as like getting a little bit of sound from the from the locker room, but. Uh, it's going to be much more direct and, and fan-focused. I mean, Joe Shane and I, we're, we're not a, a bunch of guys that are in the locker room all the time. We're, all, you know, we're fans first, and that's kind of the, the way that we're looking at this. Um, we'll still be who we are. We'll still be objective. We'll still be critical when we need to be critical. But it's more about fun, and, and the analysis stuff will come. I mean, I, th- I think that's what I'm bringing to, to the group, um, if anything. And uh, so, yeah, it's it's going to be a little bit different uh, as far as how the, the game day itself lays out. So we'll be on an hour before and then a half hour after. Uh, and we'll have uh, Dane Carbaugh, who well, ever, you know, folks at Places Edge are probably pretty familiar with, as well as Mike Richmond, formerly of the Oregonian, uh, contributing analysis, write-ups, um, all that kind of stuff. And then I think Dane might even start doing some some video work again, which uh, anybody at Blazers Edge is familiar with. It was absolutely awesome. So with the expanded resources at NBC, I think it could be some really cool stuff coming out of that. And it's going to be specifically Blazer-focused, um, and I think that's awesome. And obviously the other big news is that Jamie Hudson is also moving up, and she will be much more Blazers-focused on the day-to-day stuff. And uh, Jamie, Jamie's worked her butt off, so to see her, her get uh, some, some shine here is really awesome. I'm honestly heading into this year – 
beyond like the, my, the, the personal um, promotion that we're getting, being able to work with, with Mike and Dane and Jamie, as long as Joe and Shane, I think it's going to be really, really cool going into, into this season. So where does the, when does a blazer outsider become an insider? Because it sounds like you're going to be awfully close. Where's yeah. the line? Like, how do you, how do you think about that? And that's the thing is I think I'm kind of on the line right now. Um, it's, it's something that we've talked about. Um, the, the we I'm talking about is me and with and the executives. Um, I'm about as probably as close as it gets because I do kind of fall on the media side. I do have relationships um, with NBA personnel. Um, so that's kind of, I think, walking that line while like also being able to be. So Blazers, Outsiders, and Dan. Yeah, kind of. Um, you can be the outsider with an asterisk. I never want to have an asterisk. Come on now. For everybody who knows me knows that I, I am a fan, but I think I've, I've traded in my full, full fandom and subjectivity to, for uh, objective um, fandom. And I think I've, I've kind of been doing that for the last couple of years. And I, th- I honestly, I think it works for TV. So, uh, And I know that, that NBC is, is working on bringing in some, some other faces to make some guest appearances. So uh, I think people out there will be pleasantly surprised with, with what happens going into next season. You know what works on TV and video? Not my face. Workout videos. Yes. Those, those, those and work pretty well. Are the Portland Trailblazers point guard has the best workout video. Everybody can just stop <laughs> making workout videos now. Damian Lillard has turned in the most impressive and the be-all-and-end-all workout, workout video. Um, I'm not sure if my favorite part about it was when he was – trying to hit things with hockey sticks or the fact that he was wearing a cape the whole time. What was your favorite part of the great Damian Lillard workout video of 2018? Um, remind me again, when's the only, or when, when is the ever only time ever in human history has a pool noodle not made things better? <laughs> like you see pool noodle and you're just like, okay, we're about to have some fun. Like I've never seen pool noodle. I'm like, Oh, this is going to be a crappy day. You know? So in case anybody missed it, after some back and forth with some Twitter fans who were questioning whether or not Damien was really doing his workouts this summer, he turned in a video that was made in a gym, which had a, the Laker logo all over it. So you need to explain that yeah, one to me. Yeah, it, it's, it's Steven Jackson. He's the former L.A. gear shoe mogul. It's his house. So he has a replica oh. Laker gym. Um, okay. I believe so. He wasn't. I thought he was like maybe working out in Southern California. So he was just around. Yeah, no, no. It's it's in Southern California, but it's not at the Laker facility. Um, And I, I believe I saw in the video. I I thought I saw uh, one of one of Damian Lillard's handlers, who's also an LA local guy. Um, So I I assume that's what what was going on there, but I'm not a hundred percent positive. Well, he had two guys in the video helping him out, throwing things at him, uh, making hit things with a tennis racket as they were throwing him balls in order to try to lay him up and make it in the basket. Do not forget the Nerf gun. The Nerf gun was on point. Damien Lillard was was very wise to wear eye protection, make sure, you know, know, dotting all the eyes. That was while he was doing the running in and out of the cones, right? And they were shooting at him with Nerf guns. Yeah, they had had a paintball mask with goggles on. I thought that was a nice touch. Well, I I thought that video was just so funny and it's just so lighthearted because things are just getting as we get closer to the it's, season starting, the it's just getting ridiculous. Hits. Yeah, no. The best part about it was is that Dame didn't edit out that edit out the misses. 
Like he missed horribly yeah. on two of the shots. <laughs> yeah. I was like, did I just, did he do perfect? That just adds to the, to the, the gravitas of this, you know, stupendous yeah. film endeavor. So yeah, no, it was, that whole thing was cool. I was like, this is what we were talking about a couple weeks ago, right? This whole idea of like, of guys working out in the summer. Like it was good to not see Nurkic all over Instagram. I mean, other than CJ appearing in, um, off season workout runs, stuff like that. Like we haven't seen CJ put out a ton of his own videos and promote his own stuff. And the same thing from Dame. And I think this kind of goes back to that whole idea of like, just shut up and let me put my work in, <laughs> you know, yeah, was... you, know, you, you want to see something here, here's something for you to, to all take. And as, as, people who want content all the time and to make this easier and better for us, I, I am all for it. I am absolutely 100% for the entirety of what Damian Lillard did. Well, while he was doing that, CJ has been crying on the sidelines. Poor guy. <laughs> He's really been through the ringer with his Browns. Um, I mean, I'm not as turned tuned into football, so I kind of missed out on a lot of what he was sharing. So what's the latest um, from CJ reporting on the Browns? Well, CJ continues to be a Browns fan. I, I think that's where it starts and ends. Um, and I there. believe LeBron is too. Yeah. And, uh, and Kyle, Kyle Kuzma, Kuzma tried to, he, he opted the mentions. And I mean, uh, I get the Browns may be the only sports franchise save the bills I'm trying to think of any others that are more masochistic than blazers fans browns bills i don't really okay i don't i don't know that the blazers fans are the only masochistic group no, in no, the no, nba no, no it's, it's it's i mean if you There's, really think about it like as far as like the unlucky Sacramento. franchises yeah is are they Orlando. unlucky are they no, no, no. Are they unlucky or are they just stupid? Um, See, the, the well, self-inflicted. I mean... Yeah. That's so that, unlucky that, that, in one kind of way, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, you're, <laughs> if you just, have, you're just short a few chromosomes. No big deal. You have the bad luck to choose the wrong people to be in charge? I don't know. Yeah, I don't but, know. I mean, but I mean, just, like, just kind of going into every season, you kind of know what to expect. It's... So, yeah, CJ's she had a rough go. I, I will tell this. If NFL films wanted to do something cool or NBA films, is there an NBA films, NBA TV, want to do something cool, mic these guys up off the court on their off days. Like, me getting a, like, side seat to CJ watching a Browns game would be incredibly entertaining. Watching a professional athlete, you know, a guy who... He says what, you know, or, or talks about what fans should or shouldn't do. I, I would love to put every one of those guys in the position where they are a fan. To and show everybody's just, watching them. <laughs> and everybody's watching them. Just so it just kind of, you know, comes full circle and reminds everybody that everybody's human. Because um, mm-hmm. to be honest, CJ's incredibly entertaining as a fan. Like it's, mm-hmm. he, he goes through the same ring of emotions that every Browns fan does, you know, anger, sadness depression mild anger more sadness and eventual full depression so um <laughs> i mean it's, i think it's been that, that it definitely like 600 days personalizes him a little bit because it sometimes does. these guys are so you know about all their you know, their excellence and everything they're doing to achieve the very highest level and they're like very serious about it which is really great but when you see them doing things like cj does with the you know with the browns it does 
make him seem a little bit more like us and a little bit more like, oh, yeah, and just reminding us that, yeah, they love things that don't always pan out, too, sometimes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> everybody, you know, you, 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 everybody has their, their places that they come from, and it's, it's kind of cool to be reminded of who these guys really are because they, they are put up on a pedestal. They are looked at differently. They're analyzed differently because of what they can do within their profession, and that people forget a lot of times that they're human too. So, I mean, it, it, ultimately it's fun, um, but I'm dead serious. Like, I would love to see the uh, mic'd-up version of, of NBA players off, like, off the court like doing stuff that they love. <laughs> yeah, well, b- between LeBron starting a new series like every other week and, you know, CJ's already being penetrated into the uh, media, I don't think we're really that far off, actually. Yeah, no, seriously, like I, I, I saw it on Twitter like five minutes before we started recording. LeBron is announcing another series where he's uh, a, a woman coach of a men's team in basketball. Like mm-hmm. he, that dude has had like no, not, this isn't even hyperbole. He's had like this fifteen series. Show. Well, no, he's had like fifteen series greenlit. Mm-hmm. It's in, it's absolutely insane, and this is the, <laughs> this is like the third or fourth one that's already like going into production. It's yeah. Like this is what the dude moved to L.A. for, and it's like yeah, now you see why. Everybody's like, well, you can do those things other places, but yeah, but when, when it's in your backyard, it's a whole hell of a lot easier. He can do it so efficiently <laughs> from yeah. L.A. I, I, well, I would so- love to see the analytics on that. The um, there's a there's a player who may or may not be on the move. I mean, LeBron definitely moved, but Jimmy Butler is in the news these days, and I am just mm-hmm. so confused about what is going on in Minnesota. I have I feel so terrible <laughs> for my friends who are Minnesota fans, just going, what is happening? So the other day, I went to go look up the Timberwolves to figure out who was on their roster because I couldn't even remember anymore. So mm-hmm. I went to go type look them up in Google. And I typed in, um, you know, their name and I called up the roster and I was looking at and I was like, who are all these people? I don't even know who any of these people are. And I realized that I had accidentally typed in Chicago Bulls like, without even thinking about because it. Because the Timber Bulls are alive and well. There, there's I was a, just uh, like, what is a, happening? Is, there's is this, a bug is, out there that's like a parasite that like grows inside the body of another bug and eventually like takes over their brain. That's basically that's basically the Timberwolves, like the Bulls. Well, is have this drawn, precedented drawn in any other time? Like you know, yeah, did no, this, this happen this in happened. like the '60s with the Celtics no, this, this or whatever? Just a few years ago, Doc Rivers. Doc Rivers was collecting former Celtics, oh, like right. they were like you know mint condition action figures. It was, so, it was insane. It's like, and this isn't just like you know unique to those guys. Uh, Neil Olshay. Mm-hmm. Neil Olshay has collected well, his guys that he's drafted. He collects before. his guys. Yeah, he's co- but like Thibodeau's bringing the whole getting the whole band back together. Yeah, you know what? Though? <laughs> Around they had, Cat, they had they had success in Chicago, so he's from he's he's bringing in familiar faces that were around when there was success. Like if, I don't know about you, like if I worked somewhere and I went somewhere and started up a new company and I needed help with something, am I going to go to the unknown or am I going to go to grab people that I know that I worked with at a time where I was successful? Um, I don't know because if you do that, you're just working with the same people that you left to go do something else for with. <laughs> I mean, I think the reason you leave is to go do something else and, you know, or, to or like expand your what, horizons. But did you leave to because, you know. Oh, because they made you? 
That's yeah, a whole other thing, I guess. Yeah, that and did you leave because everybody else left? Well, so does he do this because he thinks they're all going to fit a well around Carl Anthony Towns? Hell no. <laughs> Hell so, no. there, so there this is makes no sense. No, there is a legitimate beef wedge issue problem, however you want to categorize it, between Carl Anthony Towns and, and the front office and basically everybody else on the Timberwolves. Like, I, so do you I've think heard, they're going to squeeze out Carl Anthony Towns? They are not squeezing out Cat, not as long as the current um, president, owner, in place. Um, Tibbs has basically been told or has been told unequivocally that if you try to trade Cat, it's your job. You're gone. So they're trying to find this place where you appease Jimmy, placate to ownership and Cat, while trying to mend the relationships across the board. Because we, we've talked about this before. Like, there, there, is a, there are a lot of reports out there, and I've heard stuff in the, uh, the, the back channels that, you know, Jimmy and Cat don't get along. And we've seen it in the quotes before that Jimmy holds himself and his teammates to a standard of competition and work ethic that is second to none. And I've heard that Cat does not aspire to that level of work. And that has caused a serious problem between wow. the two. And He's never going to listen to our podcast again. Hey, this, I mean, this is just, it is what it is. I mean, this is not something that I've heard from like one person. This is something I've, I've probably heard from about 20 people around the league. Um, whether or not it started from one person, it's kind of gone through. That's just what, that's, <laughs> that's the, the working hypothesis, <laughs> so to speak. And on top of that, Andrew Wiggins is kind of in the same boat. Um, at least that's oh, I how always forget about him. Yeah, and, and at least, you know, even if it's not true, that's the belief that has being held by those around Butler. At least again, this is what I've been told. So I don't know how okay. you reconcile that. Like that's that's I don't something that gets something you can just like, hey, I'm gonna work, right? Yeah, I mean, that's what I'm asking. Like, so the rumors are now that I think Woj tweeted it this morning that Jimmy Butler's going to sit down with ownership, or is it with Thibodeau? He was going to sit down with somebody, and they're going to hash it out. And I just, like, had visions of, like, Damian Lillard sitting down and asking that Ed Davis stay forever, (laughs) how that went. Um, But... Like, I mean, what do you think they could possibly be talking about? It's either, Jimmy, where do you want to go? Is that what they're saying? Is that what it's like? Jimmy, I'm bringing your whole team. You're going to leave. All the rest of the guys are going to stay. And Kat, where would you like to go? Do you want to be somewhere warm? Or do you, you know, I mean, what other thing could they be possibly doing? I don't, I don't get it. If I don't, they're I don't either. committed like, to I, keeping Kat. You're just, I mean, I, I think it. It's not the same as Portland, but I think it's, they're in a situation in Minnesota that mimics that of Portland, where you struggled. You're in a place where you struggle to get free agents, you struggle to get top end talent, you struggle to build upon a team. I mean, if you think about the last couple of guys that have come through Minnesota, have any of them finished their career there? Have any of them gone on to like become like Minnesota lore? Remember, Kevin Garnett forced his way out. Kevin Love basically, in a, in a sense, forced his way out. Andrew Wiggins took the money because he knew he was going to get it anywhere else. <laughs> <laughs> Smart man, get that bag. Yeah, he, he moved uh, in. He's yeah. like, I'm staying here. He's yeah, got I, popcorn. He's just watching I, what's happening. I, I bet you the Timberwolves are a little pissed about not trading him for Kyrie Irving now. Um, 
Well, so, but with, with this turmoil, like, how do you think the Blazers, you know, shape up compared to the Timberwolves? You know, I mean, is this going to, do you think that the Blazers, like, are, you know, still, they're simply out-talented with them having both Jimmy Butler and Carl Anthony Towns. They're just out-talented. They're just going to always have a hard time with Minnesota. Or do you think there's enough dysfunction that, you know, our guys who maybe don't have some of the high heights that they do, you know, are still highly functional, at least they seem to be? I mean, if Portland has anything working in their favor, it's that. Like, I haven't heard anything negative save the the Harkless stuff last year um, since the Ray Felton, Jamal Crawford, Ma- Marcus Candy time period. Like, the locker room with Dame is pretty damn good. Like, well, the, there was t- there was some people thought there were tensions between LaMarcus and, and Dame. Dame. And that's, I've, granted, there, there were tension, but I think it was more from LaMarcus towards Dame than I think it was Dame towards LaMarcus. Um and while that's not good, obviously, it's also not great either. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, you don't I, know. I thought you were going to explain to me what was going on with Jimmy Butler, but you're just as puzzled. No, no, I, I, I get what it is. I just don't know what the move here is. Like, how do you placate him? Like, how do you make him happy? Like, you're not going to all of a sudden get Cat to figure it out. Like, are you just going to basically, it's Jimmy? We have enough talent. We're bringing in enough guys that hey, we can make a real move if you just if you're willing to not you know eat cat alive during the season. Like I don't I don't know like what made Jimmy Butler good, what made him successful, what made him go from what you think that they might be trying to get cat to hold on for another year so then they can get somebody else in and 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 resign Jimmy or no Jimmy's got one year left like right so they're telling are they working towards keeping him. I, I don't know, but if you you have to at least get through the year, because you're not uh-huh. gonna get you're not gonna get crap for him, and that leads me to the whole idea of like, of course everybody's speculating about you know trading for Jimmy Butler. Yeah, would he make sense in Portland? Hell yeah! Like, would you have to give the farm for him under these circumstances? No. Even because the the Timberwolves would not be in the position of power on this one. They yeah, would be they, like, they we have this really they, nice asset, but what are you going to give us for it rather yeah. than... I mean, there, there's a year Tell left on this contract. There's no, yeah. there's no leverage there. Like, it's... I mean, what, what, what do you go with? So, um... Well, how yeah. much do you give up, do you think? What would you... If somebody, what, what would you consider a reasonable... Um, you know, I would imagine they want a pick, and do they probably do they want some? A pick? Do they want young talent? In, in I don't. Do they want a pick? I think everybody wants a pick these days, but maybe they don't. I don't know what their situation is. So money wise, it's difficult to make this happen without including CJ. So I'm, let, me, let me pull it back up here because my tab crashed. So I believe when I looked at it last. CJ and Harkless for Jimmy and was it Jimmy and Dang? I believe is what it was. Yeah, so <coughs> CJ and Harkless for Jimmy and Dang was something that worked um, there. Um, obviously, the problem with this is um, Jang has you know three years left on his contract. Harkless only has two, um, but. 
Yeah, that doesn't seem like a very exciting one. I mean... No. no. The other part of this is, though, that Jimmy's contract is cheaper than CJ's, and it goes a year less. So it it, do, it moves the money around, and if if that was the case, then, you know, it, it makes things easier if Portland was going to reset. Um, the I other think, yeah, the no. other idea here is that you could do, um, I think it was Harkless Aminu. Um, what was it? Harkless Aminu and somebody else I was looking at it earlier. Because, uh, like, the cap space. Actually, no, Harkless I mean, Aminu. Wouldn't you? Harkless, it, Harkless Aminu and a pick works. I'm sorry. That was the one that I was going for. Harkless Aminu and a pick. That seems that seems reasonable. I think. I mean, I'm trying. You could go with. I'm thinking you it, could go with Simons. You could throw other things in there, but what I'm saying is, as far as like how to make this work, it's not that hard. And I know before everybody's like, "Oh, you can't get Jimmy Butler for Harkless." I mean, you know, pick. You could if things go sideways. How many teams are out there? Like, what are the Lakers going to offer? right now for Jimmy Butler. Do you think they're going to give up Kuzma or Ball or Ingram or Hart? No. They're not going to give up any of those young guys. And Minnesota's in such a place where if they keep him and it is toxic, there's no way in hell. Like, it it is just... These locker rooms, when they get this bad, it can sometimes take years for it to recover. Like, you basically have to root all of it out. Like, think about that that last year with, with Nate McMillan when it was Felton and Crawford and Canby, like how just nasty all like people, maybe people don't know how bad that was. Like there was a damn, there was damn near a mutiny in that locker room. So for everybody just kind of just looking at that, like it can take a long time before that locker room atmosphere comes back together. Um, and we've heard about this stuff from Minnesota for the last couple of years. So it's not, it's not like it's anything surprising, but man, like, the value of Butler as far as like what he's actually worth on the floor versus what Minnesota actually has to work with because of all the extraneous stuff is pretty imbalanced. So, I mean, what do you think the likelihood is the Jimmy Butler A moves at all before the end of the year? Pretty high? Pretty Before the end of the year? 70%. Yeah. And before the season starts, depends on that meeting. I, I right like right now, I'd say twenty twenty five percent. Yeah, the other side of the, the coin. But if the meeting goes good, next to none, because Tibbs is a guy who's gonna kind of who's gonna try to lock everything down head into the season. If things go bad, then I think it skyrockets. I think it's it, it's if things go bad, he's he's basically on the block and he, they're taking calls right now. So and. What would be what would be bad? Like if you're a fly on the wall, Tibbs is telling Jimmy, "Be patient with the kid. He doesn't understand it. He's always had the talent. He doesn't." Wait, have, do you think Tibbs like would him. ever actually do that? I that doesn't sound very like Tibbsy. <laughs> every coach in this league knows how to placate to their stars. That's, oh. that's why they have jobs. They, uh-huh. they know how to massage the ego of their guys. They know that. That, that, that same thing I think is overlooked a ton of times. Like, you could be the best X's and O's guy in the world, but if you're crappy when it comes to managing these superstars' egos, you will, you'll get eaten alive. Um, and, I mean, if you talk about, like, 
Mike Malone with the Nuggets, um, when he was with the Kings, there's a reason they called him the Boogie Whisperer. Like right. He, he was, Boogie got the, along with him really well, didn't he? He liked exactly. Him. Yeah, and like the the like what you can do with a player, like how much better you can make him feel, um, how much more you can manage his emotions or help him control his emotions, or what he will or won't do in the public eye, you know, via Twitter or um, leaking stuff to reporters. Like, if it's toxic, but if, and you're not meeting their needs, or you're not, like, how many times have we've heard, like, have we heard something negative about? Damian Lillard or Damian Lillard's camp. Right. Very, we don't. Very, 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 very little. And that's because whether people agree with him or not, Stotts and Olshay have phenomenal relationships with Damian Lillard. They know how to address his needs. Whether or not they've actually addressed them, they know how to talk about them. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, and they know how to make him happy. And I think Tibbs' job here is to try to find a way to make Jimmy happy, to get Jimmy to come back, and to get, on the other side of that, figure out a way to maybe get Cat motivated. If that really is the problem. Like, if that is a thing, like, do you re- are, is anybody really mad at Jimmy Butler if he's mad that Cat isn't willing to put in the, like, the superstar level work when he has that talent? You know what I mean? Oh, you're asking me. Yeah. <laughs> this is the part where I'm supposed to answer. Okay. Do I think, I don't know. There were so many hypotheticals wrapped up in that. But <laughs> the, the thing about it is it's like coming down to training camp next week. Mm-hmm. And this team for so many years has been about ready to make a leap. And so I never know how to measure the trailblazers against them. They're just, they're one of the hardest ones for me to expect how the trailblazers are going to be able to do against them. Um, I mean, talent wise on just paper, doesn't make it any easier on paper. <laughs> you would say that the Timberwolves are better than the blazers, right? By looking because they have Jimmy Butler and Carl Anthony towns and Andrew Wiggins and yeah, or and Taj Gibson. I mean, Patton's hurt. So there's some upside or downside there or whatever. But yeah, like I mean, the top end of their roster has talent-wise, talent. their top end is to- is like higher up in the SI top one hundred yeah. than than Damian and CJR. Yeah. You, you would agree with that, correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. I sort of I just want to make sure we're, we're operating on the same same level there. Um, yeah, raw raw talent. I'm yes. I'm calling Cat raw because we he has not yet probably reached his potential. He's still a kid. That's a, that's the crazy thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but if for if for all the people out there who get on me or harp on me about how I'm not incredibly high on uh, continuity or relationship or familiarity, this is where they have a point. The Blazers are what they are based on talent, but they are more about the sum of their parts probably than any other team in the league. Like, they between them and Coach Stotts and how they operate, they probably get more out of what they are on a pure talent spectrum than almost any team in the league. And it's because Just of the Just in Stotts' ability to get to them guys, to everybody yeah. plays as, you know, in, in their, their best way possible. Yes. Well, and they, they, they've been doing the same schemes for three years now. <laughs> so they have that. I mean, that probably helps that, a lot with that, that continuity um, and his ability to, to get everybody. Yeah. Yeah. 
And I think that's where this is where the, the, all you folks out there who believe that this, this is your time to shine because this is where it comes out. With if, if, in a world where everything is equal, the teams that have the ability to have that relationship, to have that trust, and they don't even need to like each other. Like there have been title teams that hated each other, but if they have the trust and respect of their teammates, what should they can do with that? core belief is significantly more than the team that just hates each other, has zero respect, and is completely and totally dysfunctional. Like That's why I think a lot of these organizations that are around that... And then they bring in so, a whole different crew the next year. Yeah. That, that's why I think that some of these organizations that have been around for so long and have been so toxic for so long, why you see it continue. A la the Browns, the Kings, the Magic. Like, the one constant throughout... like the entirety of this stuff has, is typically from the top down. Like if, if your franchise is continually screwing up and it's a different man, different general managers, different coaches, um, different scouts, like maybe the problem isn't there, but maybe something that's more inherent, like, you know, at whether it's ownership or co-ownership or the board or whatever, like the choice, the choices that they are making that's coming down the list. Um, so I think it's it's one of those things where it's just like you have to wonder like where does where does like one team start and one team st- another team stop when it comes to like how deep do you go in like, trying to make somebody else happy in a singular year as opposed to right. like, worrying about the franchise going forward. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. How far how far are they going to go to try to appease Jimmy Butler this year? Right. Yeah. Because if if you if you go too far and you piss off Cat, now the guy who's the future face of your franchise going forward wants nothing to do with you, and you've just garnetted yourself. You know what I think is really interesting about continuity is that everybody can use continuity as either a plus or a minus <laughs> in in terms of like creating the narrative. So like you have Golden State and they're all getting bored because, you know, they've been so excellent for so long. Steve Kerr doesn't know how he's possibly going to keep everybody engaged this year. Then we have Minnesota who's trying to like bring back the whole older team so they can get back to, you know, who they all knew and how they all played together. Mm-hmm. And then you have Portland who truly just doesn't change their roster. <laughs> um, and then, you know, it's just, and then you have the question of like, what's a dynasty? Cause like, can you have a dynasty if you don't have continuity? So if you want to build and have a dynasty, you have to have continuity so you can make it last as long as possible. So I don't know. I just think continuity is one of those things that you can, you can come at it from a whole bunch of different angles. No, it's, it's a, it's a perfectly valid point because it's one of those things where if you, when you look at it, it's, it can be like anything in politics, you know, it could be one of those things where you can, you can use it however you want to in your hit piece. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Well, so you're ready to move on to a little FIBA basketball? Uh, FIBA, yeah. Yeah, so I watched both games today that starred Portland Trailblazers or featured Portland Trailblazers. Both of them were kind of the star. Yeah, see, today, the, the Bosnia game was definitely starring Yusuf Nurkic. Yeah, yeah. Aminu is kind of the star of the team, but he's not always the flashiest player. Okay, so I'll I'll mention the um, Aminu's game quickly. The so Nigeria is now 
nine and oh i believe in competition and they have qualified now for the 2019 world cup and they were undefeated and i remember reading just like a month ago an article about this team that basically they sent out 12 invites and they hoped everybody was going to come because yeah. <laughs> they just didn't up. have a lot but and they came up so um aminu was there when they call him aminu uh so him and his brother alade were both playing and uh i've actually watched a couple of their games and they're, they weren't as exciting as the game that Nurkic played in, but one of my favorite parts happened during today games. And I was listening to the, um, the, to the commentary, and they were talking about, you know, Aminu is, Aminu is just so in control. And I was like, like, I looked up from what I was doing. I was like, what, what, what are you talking about? And, and what they meant was they were talking about that he, uh, you know, really was like sort of kind of setting the tempo and the pace of the game. And just like he was kind of the person around which like everything was oriented. So that kind of control. But right after he said that, a moment later, uh, Aminu like, threw up a three that was like an air ball <laughs> the commentator goes well that was unpleasant to watch <laughs> uh, it was like the, then the deepest in the insight per- into the fan of a portland trailblazer right there you're like yeah in the perfect aminu just counter to that just a few plays later he was under the basket trying to get an offensive rebound and you know it was bouncing around but him between him and a bunch of bunch of people he finally came up with it but it like somehow like bounced like off of him and was about ready to go out so he dives for it he saves it and somehow manages to do a behind the back bounce pass to his brother who then you know gives it to the guy who's coming down the lane who dishes it off to somebody who's coming in from the side who scores. So it was like this total mo- perfect Aminu chaos moment where it was just like, oh, this is just going to go so south. And he just pulled it off, and it ended up in a score. So that was that also might have been unpleasant to watch maybe for some people, but I thought it was great. It's just the kind of chaos that I love. Uh, Alfred Aminu is structured chaos. No, it's just... It, uh, I Embrace like it. it. Embrace know, it. I like it when these 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 games take place because it allows players who this is going to sound toxic. I don't, I don't care, but people think suck to show out like on a, on a national stage for their national team, and it shows you the stark difference between a player you know who quote unquote sucks in the NBA and how much just how ridiculously much better they are than everybody else in the world of the game. Um, that's what I always love about these international competitions. Like you can, you can see the level of, uh, well, like Luol Deng in the Africa game in yeah. the NBA Africa game, he went off. It was awesome. Yeah. And you're like, <laughs> that guy played 13 minutes, like the yeah. entire season for the Lakers. How the hell is that? What? No, I mean that, that to me is the, is the really, is a really cool thing about this, this whole idea of uh, this, this international competition that they they brought about, um, and then heading into 2019. But l- let's not bury the lead here. The the big story here is is Point Nurkic. Okay, so I watched every minute of the game today. I didn't get any of his other games, and. Of everything that I observed, because you know that I am like a brand new, freshly minted Nurkic fan, mm-hmm. having been come late to the party, but I'm all in now that I'm here. Thank you for Welcome. letting me in. Welcome. I the I think the 
the important thing was he fouled out with a minute and 50 seconds left and his team needed him and he fouled out. So that is the bummer. That's the downer. So to recover from that, mm-hmm. <laughs> let me tell you about a lot of the good things that I saw from him. And he, he was pointing a lot. You know how much I love pointing. Mm-hmm. You know, these are players that he doesn't play with as much as the Blazers, obviously. So they have to communicate. So he was a willing and active participant in communicating. He ha- even had this one play where he was on offense. He was toward- going towards the basket. And he was like, he pointed at one of his teammates like he was going to throw it to him. And totally did it to f- a fool the guy that was guarding him. And he yeah, totally he, he fell he for it. At, looked him off at the point. I was like, that was awesome. I haven't seen that. So very little dunking. I don't even know if he had a dunk today, um, but I've decided you're going to love this because mm. it makes no sense and it's going to go against all of your sensibilities. So I can't wait to hear your reaction. Oh, I'm, yeah, I've decided I think I need to hate dunks so that I can be mad every time they happen. I think that's what I'm going to have to do. I'm just going to have to just flip around and just be like, you know what? I hate dunks. I don't even want to see them. And then that'll be good because then I will trick myself into thinking that they're not good and we don't want them because nobody was dunking in this game. Like it was, there was, I was, you know, it just wasn't the type of game that I was having, but no dunks aside. The one interesting thing is that he was playing for a lot of the game. He was playing alongside a big, big. I I, I just have to say like the look on my face right now, is a lot like the look that Elon Musk had on Joe Rogan's podcast. <laughs> right now, just very blank. Why is that? That you have to hate dunks so that you can <laughs> not enjoy them? Well, because I just, I love them so much and they don't happen out. and I get crushed every time they don't happen. So I no. just, I need to just, twi- no. twi- twi- I just need to turn never it around. Hate, never hate I'm, dunks. Well, <laughs> Dunks are wonderful. Like I don't. Dan, like the a secret lot of is I won't actually hate dunks. No, I'm just no. putting it out there into the universe. Don't worry. No, don't trick. Don't try and trick the basketball gods like that. They'll take all your dunks away. They'll take all your Achilles and snatch them up. The, well, the basketball gods but, are petty and spiteful. You can't do that to them. More seriously, perhaps that's just not going to be his thing. Perhaps that's just not how guys who grew up in his country play. I mean, who can you think of who is a historical dunker from their region? Um, Vladi? Was he a dunker? Ish. I can, I can sure picture him flipping it up lot, in lot, my head. A lot of good footwork. A lot, a lot of feet work in there was definitely mm-hmm. prominent. Yeah. Um, anyway, the other no, thing is that every time a really good point. It was a it was a close game, you know. Oh, you mean the, about them not really just dunking? Yeah, yeah there like just wasn't just, a lot of dunking. Like no, just like the, that region in general. Like I'm trying to think of basketball players from the Balkan region who really dunk, and I'm just like it's not like they don't, but. You're right. We typically don't see it. They're, they're, they're not, not the whole idea that that, that that region's soft. I hate that narrative. That narrative's stupid. Um, oh, my God. I would never think that. Did you see their coach? I was so scared of their coach. Although he looked a little bit like Tom Peterson. Yeah, no. he Like, he, a, like a really scary, big Tom Peterson. <laughs> yeah, no. Like, like when I think of, like, that like that region and, like, those type of players that come over there, I just think of, like, a million Nikola Pekoviches. 
Like a bunch of like six foot eleven, three hundred pound dudes with biceps the size of my head and Grim Reaper tattoos. Like, did they, they all crush you? Yeah, they, 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 are they all former KGB agents? I'm not certain because they, but they they look the part, um, which kind of conflicts totally with the whole idea of like not dunking. So yeah, you know, I'm actually gonna dig into that now because that's just that's weird. Now that I think about it, like there's there's a they really don't dunk all that much. I mean, and hmm. and. There was it was a crowded game. It was like really crowded in the paint. So maybe that's just kind of I just I just didn't Nurkic see that did the game was in, really. He did put in some work in the post. It just wasn't dunk wise. Yeah, yeah. It wasn't like he wasn't scoring and he was getting it in. He had oh he had one beautiful while he was falling out of bounds shot. Mm-hmm. It was behind the back that he flipped up up and in as he was falling out of bounds. And I think that was when I decided I hated dunks. I was like, I don't want to see any dunks. I want him just making these. Well, I mean, just we having did, the the Ginobili. We did have full court Nurkic, the uh, yeah. rebound behind the back dribble, mm-hmm. and then no look, you know, flashy pass across the paint. To which CJ McCollum retweeted on Twitter and said, "Don't get any ideas, big fella." <laughs> <laughs> but you can, you can, yeah, you can he, see the comfort. He did bring it up a couple of times. Yeah, you could see the comfort with which he had the you know the ball in his hand, and I like that. Like I don't like guys who like look at the ball like ill, <laughs> you know, when it comes to <laughs> dribbling. Because Portland has yeah. had some of those guys who are like, "You put the ball." Like in Ed hands. Davis was like, "I'm not moving. I've yeah, caught but, it. Right, you come get it." Yeah, that was still like, <laughs> like that's the epitome of like as a big man. Like no. It, it, no. it's, it's, it's like a like a cat like pushing the the food away like no <laughs> you you come get this I'm not I'm not dealing with this right now no it was it was definitely really cool to see Nurkic and here's the, here's the other cool thing what number is Yusuf Nurkic wearing a zero weird I wonder who <laughs> he he's doing that for he loves his Damien it's so sweet because I'm damn near certain that he was not number zero the last time I saw him playing for Bosnia I swear he was wearing twenty two. I yeah, I, I, don't, I don't know, but um, I think it's super cute that he was wearing a zero. And I think he thinks that he was the number O because he was taking threes. <laughs> he took a, th- a couple threes, which did not go in. But then he took one of his signature, like, six inches inside the line long, long shots oh, that yeah. did go in. Cash which money. was like, no, don't give him life. <laughs> <laughs> but or maybe that's his new thing. Instead of dunking practice, he can have three point shooting practice, and he can end up being dunks a and three threes. Point dunks and threes. That's that. I'm I'm fine with that that whole narrative. We, yeah, we can, but can, I don't know. Anyway, about big men shooting threes some more. Uh, as somebody, I was I was trying to you know see if there were you know signs that. Um, pointed to a positive future and you know i thought except for like the big deal like i said was that he was out and the the team was totally in the game and i honestly had no idea that he had that many fouls i wasn't even really paying attention he was getting fouled a ton himself and so i wasn't really keeping track of his fouls and apparently he wasn't either i don't know what <laughs> i don't know if he, he didn't know may, he had that he many may or, or what may not have jr smith did yeah i don't know um and they like it was a pretty it wasn't a super physical i mean it was physical and they were bumping a lot but there weren't like a ton of like big deal fouls but yeah he was getting fouled a lot he got to the line like he took like 15 free throws i think he got to the line a lot so that's good to get to the line a lot um 
But yeah, all in all, I it was a bummer that ultimately they did not win. It was 80 to 85. And the biggest problem for the Bosnia team was every time they got close, Thomas Sadaransky came in and did something. That dude <laughs> was definitely the best player on the on the court for the Czech Republic. And, and he's been buried on the bench in, in Washington for the last few years. They, they, yeah, I've, I've yeah. Heard, I've heard rumblings about how badly mismanaged he's been in Washington um, from some of the folks out there. And it, it's, again, kind of goes back to the whole point of like seeing these guys in a position where they're getting like the, the prime focus and they're getting minutes and they're getting the opportunity. You can see how well and, and how good they like, look. Oh yeah, that guy's good. Yeah. yeah. And Musso is good too. Yes. The, the uh, Nets draft pick. Zanin, Zanin Musa. Yeah. Now they're was, uh, the international game's growing. That's a, uh, that's the other part of this. I, I love seeing is that you get to see these guys or these guys get an opportunity to get you know exposure to the rest of the world. That is, of course, if you're um, you know into that whole ESPN Plus thing. Well, seven day uh, free trial, which reminds me, after this is over, I need to go cancel my trial. There you go. <laughs> but I, I watched it on that. But so my question though is. Um, he was playing alongside another big, big. And, you know, one of the things that you wrote this week about possibly some of the lineups, and I was wondering what you thought about if Nurkic could successfully pair with, like, a big, big, as opposed to, like, what I'm calling, like, an Aminu big, who's, like, not super, like, physically big. He may be playing the four, but he's not, like, you know, a big dude. But this was, like, two big dudes playing together. Yeah, I mean, I still think it's hard to do the whole, you know, Warriors have five superstar Hall of Famers on the court thing, and so most of the world's still trying to catch up to that, even outside the NBA. So the two traditional bigs thing I think is still pretty common outside the uh, the Warriors and the uh, U.S. Olympic team. You mean two big bigs, like yeah. actual, like... Yeah, I mean, traditional fours and fives. Uh-huh. I mean, if you, I mean, I'm I'm thinking of like a like a Yusuf Nurkic Myers Leonard lineup. But yeah, I mean, a shit, shoot, ten years ago that was you know pretty common. Maybe so how do you think Nurkic would do in a situation like that? Um, I, I think it would, number one, it would force him to be much more physical. So I I think he'd actually be okay. Um, but I think I mean a, a guy like him, a guy like um. Joel Embiid, those kind of guys, I mean, they, Embiid's another one who can succeed in any, you know, era, but I think back in the day, like, those are the kind of guys that, you know, would be manning the middle and be be used to playing down in the post traditionally with, I mean, the perfect example of like, of like the quasi-modern era is Tim Duncan and and David Robinson. It's two monstrous dudes. um, So how does it work with the Blazers personnel? I, I don't think it would, would work well. I'm just saying that the, the, the 10 years ago, 15 years ago, I guess 15 years ago is probably the better number. Um, I, 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 People, teams used it all the time. Yeah, I just, I just started thinking about like having Myers and Nurkic on the floor at the same time, and I had a little spasm about spacing defensively. I was like, oh, God. That's just, with the way teams go with four out and five out, that's, it's just stupid difficult to cover. Like, it, yeah, it's, it, it, obviously a team like the Warriors is going to do it to you anyways. But imagine the team, like, let's let's take a look at the, at the Pelicans. I mean, the Pelicans, 
would they put Anthony Davis at the center position and they run Miritich out there with uh, Miller and no, was it this year? Uh, Alfred Payton and insert shooting guard here. It's like, you've got five guys out there who can shoot the ball, dribble pass, whatever you want to do. Like asking Myers or Nurkic to try to cover that on the perimeter. That's not going to work, but in international play where again, outside the, the premier nations, you can get away with that stuff because like you said, Oh, there's a lot of play going on inside, right? So you don't have to worry about necessarily covering out to a stretch four or a stretch five on the perimeter all game long. Right, but you have to you have to do that in the um, in the NBA. Yeah. So, so we have you know Nurkic and Aminu playing together. Like Nurkic and the rubber band is kind of like what Aminu is because he's stretchy and he can run and and, and move around. I mean, who else compliments him? Because, like, the thing, it seems like Collins is a different enough player that he's going to, like, they're going to play, like, a whole different scheme while he's in. Or do you think that, like, how do you think that will work with the second unit? Will I they mean, just that's going to tie the- in to, to what I just wrote about this past weekend, and that's the, like, how the rotations are going to play out. I, it's, it's no secret that I don't think Zach Collins is ready to play center full-time. Like, if there's a legit center on the floor for the opponent, Zach Collins should not be at the center position. Not yet. Um, so is Nurkic playing 48 minutes? No. I oh, think, no. I, no, Myers. Little, uh, Myers is coming in. That's I, right. I think if a team has – there's a team out there who they're trying to get Nurkic or some rest or he's in foul trouble, like uh, a healthy boogie or a Joel Embiid or one of those guys, like a, a no BS center, like a guy who physically would just eat Zach alive. Don't, don't put him out there. Don't throw him to the wolves. That's just that's just not the play. But and playing, Myers can go in there and bang. He's yeah, got no, a big body to throw Myers around. He's a big dude. <laughs> yeah, and he's got six fouls. Yeah, ex- exactly. And that's the mentality that I think people should have, and I think that's the mentality that Myers should have going into that, that time period, that I, if, if it does happen, as, as I think it will. Um, but Actually, I was looking at the workout videos, and I think that is what Mark – or not the workout videos, the, the photos. Uh, photos from training camp yep. <laughs> from last week. And that kind of looks like what Myers is doing because when I saw – like he was just like manhandling Collins, and I thought that's like the <laughs> best thing for Collins. That's going to be so good for him to just have Myers beat up because remember how much like, you know, him and Lam- uh, Myers when he was younger – Used to go up against Lamarcus all day, so now yep. he can go and he can, you know, do the same thing to mm-hmm. uh, Collins. No, I mean, and for those who don't know, like I've, for all the stories and all the stuff I've ever heard about Myers and practices, Myers and practices is a complete and utter monster, and that's that's that that only bodes well for Collins. I mean, realistically, but like going into the rotations this year, um, I, I fully expect that the starting lineup of Dame, CJ, Harkless, Aminu, Nurkic is going to be the primary. The question is, is who's going to be the first off the bench? And I, there's three candidates. There's Curry, there's Turner, there's Collins. Those are the, those are the three guys I think are the next in line. Um, if CJ is the first one out again uh, this season, because it, it kind of vacillates between either Harkless or, or, or McCollum, depending on the, the lineup. But I think Curry is probably, in, in my opinion, Curry would be the best option as the first one off the bench because – Portland's offense would suffer the least. Um, then you can bring Turner in secondary. And he would still play shooting, right? Yes. Because Dame would still be in. Yep. And you and if you bring in Turner after that, then you can have Dame and um, Curry working off one and two uh, off the ball. Um, that'll, that allows Collins to come in last 
um, allowing Nurkic to kind of get because Nurkic is the kind I think you know plays the best when he gets lathered up, right? You let him kind of work into the flow of the game, kind of feel himself on both ends, offensively, defensively, bang around a, few a little balls bit. to try. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And so I think you, you continue to let Nurkic get that whole quarter. Um, then you have either um, Collins come in for Aminu, or if you if you if the matchup dictates it, you can have Collins come in for Nurkic. Um, I would try to stagger those minutes with Collins at the center position as least as possible because I think he's going to be the most effective at the four. Uh, I know... Dion O'Shea has said repeatedly that he's going to play inside, yada, yada, yada. I don't believe it. They may want to do that. They may try to do it. I don't think it's going to be effective. But well, hey. but I mean, he's the quickest, he's the quickest of the bigs, isn't he? Like, yeah. wouldn't they want somebody who can cover that ground between the basket and the, um, well, the three point line defensively? Yeah. He's going to play. I think he's going to play the four. Like that, I, okay. I have no doubt about that. Offensively is what I'm talking about. Like where they're talking about moving him closer to the rim. And I'm just like, okay. eh, if you want to do that, sure. But, the way I would maximize that would be by putting Myers out there at the five. Right. Like that, like, to clear some space. Yeah. And, if, and again, if you do that, that also allows Zach Collins to do what I think he's best at as a defender, which is again, play in space. Like I, people want to talk about, and you, you wrote about this and we, we talked about this before you, you posted it, the, the, the defensive field goal percentage that Nurkic posted uh, as the rim defender and how Collins looks significantly better than everybody else that like he was number one depending on or number two depending on like which filter you had it as and I think the context that's necessary for that is that Collins was almost never the primary defender he's coming over as the help or he's or he's sliding over as the weak side so if the guys were going up against him he was the first he was he was very rarely the first and if he was the first guy more often than not he was doing it against um, second units. So again, this, this is like this, this stepping stones, you know, get a little bit better here, get a little bit better here, get a little bit better here. Just keep growing in that sense. And I think this offers the, the perfect way, like give him five, six minutes at center if the matchup dictates. And then if he shows he's, you know, really got it, then, then, you know, make it happen. Otherwise, you know, you've got Myers out there who physically can take the beating. Or give the beating, mm-hmm. which is more, <laughs> which is what I would like to see a lot more of. But I, I think that's probably the safest way to go right now. But you still have the wild cards of Jake Lehman at the stretch four, and if you want Collins at the five, I mean that's that's a really long, lean lineup. I mean you're not going to have anybody basically over 225 pounds out there. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, as far as like size wise, that may be the lightest lineup in the league if you threw those guards out there. I mean. Evan Turner's vying for heaviest guy on the floor for the Blazers at that point in time. Um, yeah. I mean, but, it is, it is you know, wedding season, uh, so ET that, may, that may come to camp about, you know. That doesn't mean that other teams also don't have slight lineups. So I would, it, I would, it would be very difficult for me to come up with a lineup that's realistic around the league that would weigh less than that lineup. <laughs> so, I mean, seriously, as you, just, you just think about so, it. So, like, Collins, Lehman. We'll say Turner, Curry, and Dame. You could, you, could, you could swap out Dame for CJ, and I th- there's probably five to ten pounds difference between Dame and CJ. Yeah, but part of it is just because Layman is so skinny. But the, again, so is Collins. <laughs> I mean, he's really skinny. Yeah, but so is Collins. That's what I mean. Like, yeah, he's not as skinny as Layman. It's close. Come on now. Uh, Layman has, like, <laughs> little ankles. Yeah, he does. He's, he's, got those, <laughs> he's a slender, slender bottom half. He's, he's, got them, he's got them basketball bird legs. It happens. <laughs> Not everybody else can can get the the Yabusele bottom end treatment. 
Do you um, see Swanigan again, entering the, the rotation? Card. That's the wild card. Like, does Terry Stotts trust Myers Leonard enough to play him? If not, Caleb Swanigan's the only other guy in there with some beef. I mean, that, mm-hmm. I mean, realistically, that's what's going to happen. Um, the other thing here is, I, I, I'm a Wade Baldwin guy. I loved Wade Baldwin the second they signed him. Um, I heard nothing but glowing reviews about him in the locker room and how he was on the road. Uh, how he interacts with the teammates, that his willingness to work, which is a big change of pace from what it was in Memphis, at least from what I had heard. Um, mm-hmm. And what he did in summer league. He showed leadership. He showed the characteristics that made him a lottery pick two years ago. Um, but, I mean, realistically, he's eighth, ninth, tenth. Like There's a lot of guards. There. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and they, they, they paid Curry. Um, and here's, like, I heard, I heard some but Don't people, forget about Stauskas. It's, here's the thing. I don't think Stauskas is playing. Like, I, I think he's what, you know, what Pat Connaughton was two years ago. I think he's two a years ago. Yeah. I think they went out and they went out and made a deal right at the deadline, essentially, for him. So he wouldn't play. Yeah, I, I don't if he's he, he's going to dress. Sure. Why do you think they did so soon? I, yeah. I'm, I'm, I need I need to continue drinking this rock star. <laughs> um, yeah i uh that was one of the more questionable moves of the off season let's put it that way um <laughs> it I, was like, just that it was so soon yeah <laughs> there's, there's there's a lot of things i was like what, what okay but i i don't think he's a part of the rotation um now could he be if it was an injury happens or something along those lines no <laughs> <laughs> because be. well i mean i think you have gary trent jr in front of him yeah mm-hmm. and like we've gotten this far we've talked about nine deep and simons yeah i mean we've talked about nine ten deep already and we hadn't even really got to trent yet and i think trent's the guy that coming out of camp is gonna have people talking much the same way that caleb swanigan had people talking last year coming out of camp and i and i bought into the swanigan stuff and they did end up starting him which is what i figured they would do um, mm-hmm. I, I think that but what the, you didn't figure was that he would fall off a Facebook cliff um, and Zach Collins would get all that playing time. Well, did he get all the playing time or did it just kind of fall in his lap? Um, I'm because not sure that there's really a distinction. Yeah. He got the playing time. It came to him and he got it. Yeah, because I mean, and that's we're, we're not what you about, predicted. No, but I mean. Again, the the production that we got from Collins in the first couple months was... You just have to have the last word. Just I, face it. No, I, I just... I, you I just str- have to have the I last word on Collins get, every single time. I strongly disagree with the idea that Collins did a whole lot to get anything, especially in the beginning of the season. Why the does it season, have to was, be that he did anything to get anything? What do you, I mean, <laughs> why does... Wh- I mean, why couldn't he have just been next man up? But that's, that's, that's what I'm saying. Like the, the, uh, going back to Caleb Swanigan, like him getting into the rotation this year, like I don't, I don't like foresee that happening. Like I don't think that even if Collins just co- was completely terrible, they're, they're invested in Collins. And that's what I was getting to with Gary Trent Jr. I think he's going to be that guy where even if, let, let's say Harkless starts out subpar, I think that if they, if they pulled him, and they put Gary Trent Jr. in, and he at least showed something. Or maybe they don't show something. Maybe he's just what Harkless was, but he's younger, and 
more mm-hmm. efficient or, or more inexpensive or they see or more. Or he looks more malleable. Like he'll be able yeah, to something more like, in the future. reach a higher ceiling when a quicker. Exactly. Then I think it, it, much like Collins in that instance, they could be like, nah, screw it. Harkless, you're coming off the bench or you're buried deeper on the bench. And Trent's going to get the Noah Vonley treatment or the more recent version, the Zach Collins treatment. Like you're good. Here's your minutes. Here's your rotation. This is when you're going in. This is when you're coming out. Make something happen in that time period or don't. You need to show something. I'm curious to see if we're going to have another rookie veteran pairing this year, like we did with Ed and Zach last season. I wonder if, if that if would was, happen if again. If there was going to be one, I would take Trent and Turner. No, that that was probably number two, but I think Trent and CJ. Mm. Although CJ has kind yeah, of taken Simon's, he's kind of taken Simon's under his wing, so. Yeah, this seems like a good time for CJ to start taking some guys under his wings. Yeah. Um, I mean, mean, it's not like he probably hasn't paid attention to him before, but it just seems like a natural evolution of his own growth. And that's the cool cool part about the the, uh, training camp, like pictures and video and stuff like that that comes out. You start seeing the veterans around the rookies, and like when you start going through everything, you start seeing the same veteran with the same rookie over and over and over again. You're like, yeah, they paired up. All right. Mm-hmm. It's like Hunger Games out there because they're not only they're trying to <laughs> they're not only trying to help the young man they're also making them their rook which means they're getting them their bags their food their laundry yeah. their car whatever <laughs> so uh, there there are bonuses I, to being the mentor I could see CJ with Anthony and Turner with, with Trent. Trent. Yeah, I, I honestly I want to see. Although I'm a little afraid of of Turner having a. Uh, a rookie that might be maybe he has had him in the past i mean i think turner could be a really good mentor but you have to have the kind of rookie who can like swim on his own (laughs) who's not trying to figure things out at the same time like a guy who's pretty well knows the ropes Mm -hmm. because i imagine turner could really um be a be a be a special kind of mentor. <laughs> you would yeah, really, no, I was just thinking the same like, like, I would really, I would love to peek behind the, the curtain of Evan. I need you to come and, you know, get me this ridiculous thing and pick it up and bring it to my house at four o'clock in the morning or whatever. <laughs> just to, just to, you know, keep him on his toes. Well, when does, when is media day? So media day is, uh, so this will be announced on, or this podcast will come out tomorrow Monday morning. Um, and it will be a week from Monday morning, September 24th. I okay. will probably, most likely, almost certainly be there in one capacity mm-hmm. or another. As the uh, insider outsider? Uh, yeah. Yeah. It's doing, doing things and stuff. Mostly stuff. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I've graduated past this. <laughs> wow, that was fast. You yeah. were not in stuff for very long. But at no. least you did them first. Yeah. That's good. That's I feel like that's progress that you admit that there's stuff to do first before you go on to doing things. Gotcha. And then uh then training camp starts and the opening game is on 29th. 29th or the opening preseason game is the 29th in Tara, Vancouver. Tara, we're 2 weeks what? from basketball. I know. Well, I watched basketball today. It was so, it felt so good to watch basketball that people were actually trying. Yeah. It was fun. And actually, also, you know, there's in Portland, there's some good stuff going on. I went to the Thorns game this weekend where they qualified for the championship. I'm going to the championship. Mm-hmm. So I'm glad we have this. I watched the the WNBA uh, championship. That was really fun. So it hasn't like there's been it hasn't been like there's been nothing, but I miss it when there's just like 
so much actual games that you can't even keep track of all of them. Like right now there's just so many like blog posts and Instagram posts and you know, uh, that's it. <laughs> and there's so many of them, but like, I can't wait, wait until there's actual basketball. We're, to watch. we're watching replays from the 2006 regular season. Like, Oh yeah, no, no, it's just good. And, and that's you're trying to tell yourself. <laughs> this is just as re- good. <laughs> when in reality, like you get done, you look in the mirror, you've actually like peeled the skin off your face and you're like, Oh, that wasn't actually good. <laughs> so can we get real basketball here, please? So you know what I did the other day? I watched all of no. I watched all of Nurkic's shot attempts for the whole season. I love doing that, but problem is, is it's kind of like in some ways I like. I kind of want to like chop up a game and just watch it like that. Like I want to watch a game by just watching first. I'm going to watch all of Damian Lillard's shot attempts. Then I'm going to watch all of CJ's shot attempts. But, and then I'm going to watch like all of Nurkic's blocks and just like do it categorically and just watch the game that way. Yeah, no, no, no. The Portland Trailblazers fans, they aren't masochistic at all, Tara. <laughs> I just, I just don't think we're any more masochistic than oh, other franchises as well. I just think there's plenty of other franchises that. that are where we are. No. I don't think that we're unique in where we are right no, now. Gonna, I think I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna staunchly disagree with you. Also, um, really, the uh, you think we're you think that Portland fans are the only people who are in a situation where they're feeling like I don't know, just kind of in the middle, <clears> not really going void. high, not really going low. Yeah, yeah, like you think the Portland fans are the only ones feeling that. You think the people in. Uh, Orlando or like my or Washington or uh the I mean I just think there's Atlanta what do you how do you think they're feeling right now they're Charlotte young, young I mean and rebuilding Charlotte's just eh, bad I if you just ask their fan bases I'm not sure like I think it, you oh know, no Atlanta's rebuilding from the outside they, in they, no Atlanta no Atlanta got rid of everybody like they took Collins they just took them the uh, uh, Trey Young in the draft like that, that, they're packaging that up as young and rebuilding. They, they're like the Phoenix Suns were like three years ago now. Okay, so there's one franchise that basically is not like Portland. I just, I don't think we're the only ones who feel this way. How about Minnesota? We spent like 20 minutes talking about Minnesota. Um, they're, I mean, they're, for them, they were building They don't know what something. to think. But, no, but even then, though, like last year was the first time they were in the playoffs for 20 years. Like they're, they're for them, it's exciting. It's something new. Like, are they building towards something, or are they about ready to tear it all down? Um, I think the the excitement of what it could be is still there. Like, I, do, <laughs> do you do, do you feel like there's excitement right now around the Portland Trailblazers? Like, like real excitement, not not the return of basketball, but like excitement for their outlook. Because I don't. I, 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 I could I be think totally just wrong, because but I just don't feel it around the fan base. Right you now. don't feel it doesn't mean that there aren't people out there who feel it but on the same just because you know we feel like you know the blazers are kind of like in this middle tier where they're just gonna be for a while it doesn't mean that we're the only fan base who feels that way (laughs) i think think you're just stuck on this you just you you want to find it but you you're just you just want to get i just don't I just, I think it's really, the more I talk to other fan bases, the more I realize that we're not unique in our pain. I mean, Mm. we might have a unique type of pain, but Mm. we're all confused or wanting more or also sometimes feeling irrationally positive. (laughs) We're all the same. I haven't had that in a long time. So. Yeah, well, when have you ever? 
This is honestly. true. I'm dead inside. <laughs> well played. Touche. Touche. <sighs> I'm all I'm all on board Nurkic taking a big leap and I'm on board one of our rookies having a really successful hey. rookie campaign and I'm also on I board so. somebody giving Gary Payton and Gary Trent the idea that they need to have a podcast called Gary and Gary. Yeah, Gary you, and if Gary you ever happen. meet them, you need to tell them that. Yeah. And do every whatever you can to help them make that happen. I will do the ad reads for not free, but I will do them. <laughs> All right, let's, let's wrap this up, Tara. Where, where, where can they find you? You can find me on Twitter at TCBBigs, and you can also find here the Women's Hoops and Talks podcast mm-hmm. to come out every other week in this very same podcast feed, and you can also subscribe to Hoops and Talks at Hoops and Talks on Twitter. All right, folks, as always, you can find me on Twitter at DMarang, at D-M-A-R-A-N-G. Same thing with Instagram and everywhere else for your social media needs. And as was recently announced, you will find me on all game nights, all 82 games plus playoffs and other places in between on NBC Sports Northwest, uh, pregame an hour before tip-off, and then usually about a half hour after the final horn uh, on NBC Sports Northwest for an hour-long post-game. Um, my weekly column also is popping up now on Saturday mornings, if you guys haven't noticed. So if, uh, if you guys have questions, anybody out there has questions, comments, concerns, thoughts, ideas, uh, I'm always looking for new things to talk about. And if you have questions, go ahead and hit me up on Twitter, at DMarang, it's the best way to do it. My DMs are open, or you can just tweet at me. Uh, for Terrible Biggs, I am Danny Morang. Um, take care, I guess. Two weeks till basketball. Sweet. Bye. Yay!